When you talk to people about their care in rural and remote Queensland, there is one consistent in their feedback. They all have glowing praise for the clinicians living and working in their community. These projects aim to empower and build workforces in some of our smallest communities, helping provide equitable care with a whole lot of heart. I'm a part of the Rural and Remote Resource Team. Uh, it's a fairly brand new team that was developed in Townsville in a response to the identification that um, people living in rural and remote areas tend to suffer significantly with mental health concerns and often aren't able to receive what we would consider a, a treatment or a therapeutic intervention that would be um, comparable to those within the metro areas. So. Our, our mission basically was to be able to partner, partner with our rural and remote clinicians to be able to provide access for consumers to high quality mental health care across the lifespan, regardless of their geographical location. So our resource um, team is comprised of some senior specialist clinicians. So we have um, a senior child and youth mental health specialist. We have an older person's mental health specialist and alcohol and other drugs um, with a comorbidity of mental illness. Um, and then we have my very interesting position, which kind of came as an add-along, um, which is the therapeutic interventions coordinator. So basically, we support all of the teams that are located within this enormous green area here. So we work um, from Townsville down to up to Cardwell, um, right out to Richmond and Hewenden, over to Palm Island, Charters Towers, and um, everything in between that you see there. So it's quite, quite a distance to travel, um, and as you can see, it's quite isolated for a lot of our clinicians working in those areas. So what we found was that the clinicians are few in numbers. Some of the teams, like Palm Island, have three team members in the mental health team that support the entire island. Um, they're often required to have an enormous breadth of knowledge across the lifespan um, and an understanding of not just um, all of the mental illnesses or presenting concerns that might be coming in, but to understand all of the appropriate interventions that would be recommended. So as already mentioned by a number of people, at times rural and remote clinicians feel that they're working in silos um, and can feel under pressure to make those decisions in isolation. They have limited access to CPD, um, and often um, some of the chief feedback that we get is clinical supervision, uh, line management, and those sorts of things often feel secondary to getting in and getting the job done because of the sense of urgency. Um, as you can imagine, that can lead to some fairly devastating outcomes um, that isn't looking after not only our clinicians, but also our wonderful people who live in those rural and remote areas. So um, we basically said, what needs to be different here? Um, and that's how our team came into play. Um, we initially developed my role to start looking after our clinicians within the teams, and then it's moved into how does this branch out into creating opportunity for gold standard therapeutic intervention um, to occur. So the opportunity really came about when COVID hit and travel stopped. We were all, all of a sudden um, stuck inside the office, um, not going anywhere at all, and had lots and lots of time on our hand. So the World Health Organisation um, 
put out some research not too long ago that actually found in their pilot uh, program that mental health uh, case management was not the way to go. In fact, they found that most of the time, people who were received a biomedical model only of, of uh, mental health care would often continue to return, um, more likely to be suicidal, more likely to have longer-term comorbid issues. Uh, what the recommendation was was to move away from case management to mental health clinicians. That is a holistic approach where we take the whole person into account. So moving to the biopsychosocial model. The only problem with that is how do we take people who are used to doing things in a certain way that can be quite rigid and known, how do we then take them to um, what a lot of people would say to me is um, that psychology stuff. So moving people who are well-versed in these areas and have the skills but got really scared of actually getting in there. So what we did was develop a SharePoint. So because clinicians are few in number, what I decided to do was pull and compile it all together um, so that they would be able to have a resource where they could access the breadth of knowledge that they were being asked to draw upon. So basically... Uh, the clinicians can access these resources in real time. They can contact myself as well as the other specialist team members. Um, they can know that they are utilising gold standard intervention psychoeducation. Um, and it's helping not just uh, build capacity, which we often hear from people is, I don't know, we need to build capacity. What I tend to find once I start working with our wonderful clinicians is the capacity is most certainly there. Uh, it's the confidence. And so since we rolled this out uh, just over a year ago, we have found in our qualitative uh, uh, information gathering that we've had about a 40% rise in confidence, which is something that we're very proud of. So to get to the point, I'll show you just briefly what the hub is. And of course, this is constantly under uh, development. I'll just make sure this can start. So you'll see it's a therapeutic um, SharePoint and we tend to have a good news front page where we update with different news stories that are coming through. And then you can see we've got a navigating side point um, where people can roll through and look at common presentations that they might see in the mental health world. So it may be something along the lines of psychosis, um, schizophrenia. Uh, what we found was when we had brand new clinicians coming in, um, quite often a lot of our new hires were straight out of university and weren't particularly confident with what you would be seeing if you saw somebody presenting with certain mental health um, illnesses. So we went right from um, bare, bare basics and I split it across adult pre uh, presentation, uh, older persons and child and youth. And what we looked at was screening tools because we want people to be getting used to using objective measures as well as gathering that qualitative data. Um, I then broke that again into then what would be the assessment phase from an intake point of view. So we would start developing that holistic um, collaborative intervention plan with our person. Um, and then we broke it across um, the three areas again for, um, oh, sorry, <laughs> the YouTube decided to throw an ad in the middle. Um, I was being very clever enough trying to work out how to screen record. Uh, so basically, 
all of this is um, built across that they would have in the moment access to then the therapeutic model that they would take with that. And while so psychosis is something that can be quite complex, um, we do have a number of other presenting um, symptomatology that we would work with, right from um, at intake level, if somebody's presenting with um, anxiety or uh, significant depression or pervasive grief and loss, we then have some immediate tools that you'd be able to use on the iPad. They can open the hub and they can start building what that person might need in that moment so that they're having a service met at the time rather than saying, thank you, we've just got you to talk through everything that you've just already told your GP. I would like you to just pop away and we'll give you a call and we'll let you know. And people are leaving and saying, well, we're not going to come back. So what we have found then is working in with the uh, peer support workers as well as our um, consumer groups and consumer reference groups that they have found in some of the areas where we previously didn't do so well with having people feel heard, having people feel connected and having people feel that they're receiving a service, um, even if a service episode doesn't get opened, um, that we have most certainly improved going forward from there. Um, so there's lots and lots and lots to do yet, um, and we've got a number of other pages to build, but each one of these um, pages comes with the NICE guidelines, the APS, Therapeutic Intervention Guidelines. They're updated and reviewed every three to six months to ensure that we're continuing to have that gold standard. We've then moved on a little bit further, and we now run lunchbox sessions where we will train people um, and we can do that through, again, we use Microsoft Teams, but we will record that and put it up for when people don't have competing time issues. Um, what we have also done is we've been able to collaborate um, with other partnerships, such as America's ICE, so we'll be able to um, use their training module and their training pathway through the hub for all of our... Um, for all our medical registrars and our mental health clinicians coming through, so they then become very well versed in deliberate practice um, and feedback informed treatment. Um, so we're continuing to build, we're continuing to add documents, we're continuing to add resources, but again, we're always making sure that this doesn't replace the human contact and we're all still travelling or using Teams or everything else that we have at our fingertips to be able to give our rural and remote clinicians and in turn our, our wonderful people who live in those areas a better service. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.